The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. I always say that because I always mean it. What's the buzz today? Well, I found a quote from Peter Drucker that I think represents what we're going to be talking about. Managers do things right. Leaders do the right thing. Let's just leave that on the table. So what are we talking about today here on Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers? We're talking about social media. It is ubiquitous. If you don't know what that word is, I'll tell you. It means it's everywhere in the personal and professional spaces. And your company and your employees are expected to show up, participate, do the right thing. So if you unleash your employees into social media on their own and on behalf of your company, well, how can you ensure they are appropriately amplifying your company's culture to a wider audience because it is a huge audience out there. That's question number one. Number two, how can you ensure your employees are sharing their talents and their passions, which can help establish authentic relationships with your customers and prospects? Yeah, real people talking to real people about real life things. That's the idea. And number three, how can you help your employees share a positive perception of your brand? Well, there's one answer to all three questions, and the answer is simple. You need a social media policies. Uh-huh, a policy. You need to create it. You need to think about it. You need to do it the right way. You need to do it right from the get-go, and then you need to communicate it. And maybe you need to enforce it with your employees. We'll find out. I have a panel of three experts in this area, and let me tell you who they are, and then I'll introduce them with their opening quotes. First up in a moment, we'll be speaking with, well, he's no stranger to Game Changers. He's on before. It's Andrew J. Sherman, partner and chair of the corporate department of the Washington, D.C. office of Safarth Shaw. Andrew will join us in a minute. Joining him is a newcomer to Game Changers. She is Sarah Goodall, managing director of a company called Tribal Impact. We'll learn a little bit about what she does. And rounding out the panel, of course, we couldn't do the show without Lorraine Maurice, a modern marketer at SAP who drives B2B channel marketing, social selling, and partner success. So let's kick it off with the quote Andrew J. Sherman has sent me. I think Andrew will let me drop the J once we get comfortable with each other. 
Uh, Andrew sent a quote from Rabbi Hillel. Those of you not familiar, Hillel uh, has many names. Hillel Hagadol, Hillel Hazaken, Hillel Habavli, and Habavli was born according to tradition in Babylon around 110 BCE, and he died in 10 CE in Jerusalem. He was a famous Jewish religious leader, one of the most important figures in Jewish history. He was a sage and a scholar. Here's what's interesting about him. The most interesting is you may not know, he was the author of uh, two sayings, one of which I'll read in a moment Andrew has selected, but the one he's most familiar with is the expression of the ethic of reciprocity. We know it as the golden rule. And he wrote it this way, that which is hateful to you, do not do to your fellow. That is the whole Torah. The rest is the explanation. Go and learn. That's a version of the golden rule. Here's the quote from Rabbi Hillel that Andrew has selected. If I am not for myself, then who shall be for me? Andrew Sherman, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to be back on the show. Um, The second part of the quote, actually, if you don't mind me finishing it, is, but if I am only for myself, then who am I? And the two sentences should be read together because they are, in my opinion, not only rules for life, but at the heart of all social media policy today in 2016. Well, Andrew, what would Rabbi Hillel say if he knew you were talking about him in 2016 on an internet, what, an internet, what, web-based radio show where we're talking to people all over the world without wires, without radio boxes? What's a radio, he would say. So what would he, what would he say about social media? Let's just cut it down to the bare bones here. What would he say? Hopefully he'd say I'm going to heaven. But then back to social media policy. Um, the, the, the core of why I chose this quote for today is that social media today is truly about interactive. It's about being an advocate for yourself, but being an advocate for others. And if you don't strike that balance, whether you're a company or a team or an individual or a brand, you will die in the social media you know, ecosystem. You, you must be an advocate for yourself and you must be an advocate for others. I mean, what do you think the retweet button is for? Uh, It's not just what you tweet. It's things that other people tweet that then you become an advocate for them. And I think that at the heart of everything we'll be discussing today is that reciprocity, that dual understanding of, of being your own best champion, but not to the exclusion of being a champion for others. Very well put, Andrew. I want to wish you uh, Lashana Tova. We just are in the, the New Year's season here. I assume you're, you are. And um, I just wanted to say that. Thank you. I, you're welcome. I think it's very, me too. I think it's very interesting, the idea of reciprocity. It's a great word, and we don't normally think of it. I haven't heard it yet on any of our shows, Andrew, about we have a show called Social Selling with Game Changers. I've heard trust. I've heard advocacy. I've heard... Um, respecting the brand. I've heard all kinds of, but I've never heard reciprocity. And I just uh, got off a team call here at SAP today, Andrew, and we talked about, uh, somebody mentioned there are some studies being done by Facebook, of course, about Facebook, but they show that people who receive positive feedback to their posts on Facebook express that they've had a better day or that life is good. 
And that's exactly reciprocity. It's so simple. So I asked the comment on the team call, you mean every time I wake up in the morning, open Facebook, and I click like on people's pictures of them holding their grandchildren or their dog or going on vacation or in a new restaurant or they got a new pair of shoes, whatever it is, I'm contributing to that feel good. And that's reciprocity, right? And hopefully they'll respond exactly. to my we'll, post. Well, think about it. Everyone listening in today probably has that one person who constantly retweets or reposts or likes others but never posts for themselves. And then you want to know, hey, where do you stand on things? What is your view on certain brands or companies or social issues? And then you have the person who only tweets and and posts about their own lives and never seems to take the time to like others or to retweet others. And I really do think that there's a lot of wisdom and meaning and strategy inside that word reciprocity. And I would say pair that with the word authenticity and you've got your social media strategy. Make it reciprocal, make it authentic, and consumers and employees and other strategic partners in your ecosystem will respond. You make it singular and you make it uh, uh, too much of an advocate for yourself, and people will turn you off now in the time it takes to defriend or untweet or deconnect, uh, disconnect. It's, it's as quick as that. Um, reciprocity and authenticity. Thank you. I'm tweeting that, <laughs> and I'm giving you credit. So there, I'm authentically being reciprocal. You're sharing the information. I'm giving it back. Thank it. you, Andrew. Pleasure to have you on the show. And let's welcome our newcomer today, all the way from somewhere in the U.K. We'll find out. It's Sarah Goodall, Managing Director of Tribal Impact. And Sarah has selected a wonderful quote from Richard Branson, another aspect of our topic here on social media. And the quote is, train people well enough so they can leave treat them well enough so they don't want to. And anybody wondering, Richard Charles Nicholas Branson, born 1950, is an English business magnet and a magnet in both both spellings, investor and philanthropist, known as the founder of the Virgin Group, which now has more than 400 companies. And his net worth, according to Forbes last year, 2015, was a mere $5.2 billion. He was knighted at Buckingham Palace in 2000 for services to entrepreneurship. Wow. So welcome, Sarah Goodall. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, we are delighted. <laughs> Talk to me. Where are you in the UK? Just so we can pin you on a map somewhere. Yeah, I'm right on the south coast, so as far south as you can get it. I'm literally an eight-minute walk from the water. So, um, so yeah, if you go pinpoint London and just go directly south, that's where I am in Portsmouth. I can see you. <laughs> I can see you. I've got a Google map. I said, where is Sarah? And there we found you. So talk to me about this quote. We're talking about social media policy, helping your employees do the right thing, promote your brand, be advocates for themselves as well as the company, and do it the right way. How, what would Richard Branson's quote have to do with this, Sarah? Well, so often when I, when I speak to customers, the first, one of the first objections I get back is, well, if we train people to build their social brand online, you know, they're going to go off and get another job. Why would we do that? And then that comes back to the culture, because if your culture is good enough and they don't want to leave, then, you know, it's a win-win all round. So that, that quote, when I was looking at this, and I just thought that quote for me just stands out because I, I come across that objection quite a lot with senior managers. And it's just, it's not a case of, you know, training them up so they leave. But if your company's great and it's got a great culture... They're not going to want to leave, you know, so don't not do it for that, you know, do it for the right reasons, which is to build a social business culture. So um, that's the reason I chose that. 
And apart from that, I, I totally admire the guy. And I met him, actually, at SAP Sapphire, believe it or not. So um, You yeah, did? I wow. Did. Oh, I couldn't believe it. It was a few years ago, but yeah. Totally in awe of the guy. <laughs> wow, so, wow, yeah. wow. Didn't, didn't he just fall off a bicycle go on a cliff somewhere about two, two months ago? He did. I think. Yes. He yes. Did. Yeah, so he had an accident. accident. And yeah. he posted something on social media. We, the bike was gone. It went over the cliff and he was a little bloodied and bruised. But yeah, we talked about that because somebody yeah. else used a similar quote. Yeah, well, Richard Branson, we're doing a get well shout out. You, you, uh, yeah. you adventurer, you. Okay, devil may care. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Pleasure to have you on and looking forward to more of your insights. And by the way, before I move to Lorraine, just tell us in uh, two sentences, what does Tribal Impact do? So basically, we help organizations mobilize the social workforce and help them develop their employees to build their brand and connect their brand values to the company brand values. So, And also try and generate employee stories. You know, coming back to Andrew's point about authenticity and credibility and doesn't get more credible and authentic than your employees telling their story. So... I help companies train their employees to do that. I love the name of your company, by the way. Love it. Isn't that great? Thank you. And by the way, she just used an important word, training. Training your employees is not just enough to have the policy and send it out. We know what happens with employee handbooks and manuals. Here, read this once a year. We updated three words on page 292. No, we're going to have to talk about that too. So let's turn to Lorraine Maurice waiting so patiently, our modern marketer at SAP, who is the sponsor of this series. And Lorraine has already told me she's going to renew this series for 2017, and she just might launch a brand new series with us, another Game Changer series. Can't wait to hear about that one. Lorraine has picked a quote from Ken Blanchard. Uh, I have some breaking news here for all three of you. Well, first of all, Ken Blanchard, Kenneth Hartley Blanchard, born 1939 in Orange, New Jersey, American author and management expert. His extensive writing career includes 60 published books, most of which are co-authored. Interestingly enough, his most famous and successful book is The One Minute Manager. It sold over 13 million copies and it's been translated into many languages. But what I learned, speaking of authenticity and reciprocity, is that the book has been shown repeatedly to have been plagiarized at length from the original research of his former colleague, Arthur Elliot Carlyle. So Carlyle was a colleague of Blanchard and the noted co-author Spencer Johnson and they relegated Mr. Carlisle, maybe it's Dr. Carlisle, to a subordinate co-author. So it's just a little sidebar there talking about authenticity and being reciprocal but his other books include Raving Fans, A Revolutionary Approach to Customer Service, Leadership in the One Minute Manager, Gung Ho Turn on the People in Any Organization Well Done, The Power of Positive Relationships and Leading at a Higher Level. So here is the quote Lorraine has selected. Let me go back to connect the dots between individual roles and the goals of the organization. When people see that connection, they feel the importance, the dignity, and the meaning in their job. Lorraine, how are you? I am fabulous. A little stunned at the news. I know. About, you know, and, and disappointed. However, I still think the quote holds so true, and I probably should have used a different quote, uh, one by Aretha Franklin, and just said respect, because that's what I truly believe, is that you have to have mutual respect and understanding. Um, It does go back to that reciprocity word um, between an employee and an employer, and if you have that respect for each other, things tend to fall in place, and businesses tend to succeed in terms of relationships 
not only internally, but relationships externally. Um, and it kind of just flows through to your customer. So tell me something, Lorraine. The part, what's your philosophy on the part about the people being able to do their talk about their passions and how they lead their lives as part of the authenticity and that building those relationships of real people when you encourage your employees to use social media but under their name, let's say under their Twitter handle that's related to your company and they're putting out personal information. Any any quick guidelines, any uh, yeses and big bad no's on that just for our beginning? Sure. So it's a definite yes. People have to be individuals, and, and it has to come from an individual. A um, hundred years ago, it feels like back when I was with a, 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 tele, a large telecom and social media was becoming prevalent, that the guidelines were so extensive that you were completely handcuffed and we weren't successful. And it was because there wasn't a policy in place. There wasn't a value prop and a brand story in place that each employee could articulate on behalf of the company. And in a large company like that, you had so many outliers. How did you control anything negative that might happen? And so it it wasn't, uh, it was perceived as a negative. But that's the evolution of social, and use the word ubiquitous in your opening, is ubiquitous, and everybody is on social and very connected. So it's critically important in any organization size, especially a small business where everybody is so tightly aligned, that the brand story, the vision, and the mission is clearly articulated, and the ability to let people be unique, especially your younger and millennial employees, to express themselves on your behalf will only amplify the company message. Um, and that's why it's also important to have this authentic, trusting relationship among employee and employer. Thank you very much, Lorraine, and welcome to your own series. I appreciate that. Good selection for Andrew and Sarah. Glad to have them on board. Now, let's go back to Mr. Andrew J. Andrew, can I drop the J, or are you formal about it? If you could go double J now, that would be good. Andrew J. <laughs> Andrew J. J. Sherman. Okay, I'll just call Pull you J.J. J. J. for short. Each time you come around to me, add one more J. <laughs> Oh, you're punishing me with kindness. Thank you very much. So, Andrew, J.J. Sherman, oh, boy, this is going to be a fun show. Andrew, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? This is the part where we get a little bit up close and personal. We'd like to know what's your favorite drink right now, or what are you drinking after the show? Regale us, Mr. J.J. Calling in from Washington, D.C., 10th and F Street, and we'll be treating myself after the show to a double espresso in anticipation much, much later in the evening to a uh, glass of fine bourbon. Ooh, you have a favorite bourbon brand you want to tell us? I've been drinking a little uh, uh, Blanton's, Rock Hill Farms, and Booker's lately, uh, and enjoying all three. Not together, not in the same glass. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds <laughs> three separate glasses. You you don't want to taint one or the other. It sounds like serious fun, Andrew. It really does. J J J. Okay, three J's for three different kinds of bourbon. Exactly. I admire you. Okay, <laughs> this man can hold his bourbon. Okay, let's go to Sarah Goodall. You are you are somewhere. Our Google map shows you there. You are waving at us near the water yeah. in London. Thank you, Sarah. What uh, what time is it? And what are you drinking today? Well, it's 20 past 7 in the evening, and for me, I'm sorry, I'm being very boring, but I'm having a classic British cup of tea, because, you know, it's too late for a coffee in this country, and it's too early for a glass of wine, so it's like one of those after dinner, let's have a cup of tea, and that's that's what us Brits do about this time of night, so 
I'm having a lovely cup of tea, and I'm having it in a very special holiday mug uh, where we went on a family holiday. So, um, so there we go. So that's it's, it's a bit of a dull answer, but um, that's. That's, not that's at all. Not seven. at all. <laughs> Sarah, a few a few years ago, we had a British gentleman. Well, we've had many, but a British gentleman on one of our Game Changer shows, and I asked him about his tea. And he said, well, you Americans don't have a clue. You serve dusty tea bags. Anything you buy in a package is dusty. How can you stand dusty tea? And then he proceeded to give me a little bit of a lesson slash lecture on oh. the the uh, thickness of the china of the cup you're supposed to drink from, yes. the exact yes. temperature of the boiled water, how you're supposed yep. to put the leaves into a strainer and let them soak and whatever, you know, uh, yep. infiltrate into the water. So do you, first of all, do you have a favorite style of tea, a favorite flavor or a brand you use? You don't use dusty tea bags, do you? No, we don't use dusty. Oh. No, tea bags never get dusty in our house. No, we drink too many <laughs> of them. So, um, no. You know, I'm a plastic, I'm a classic PG tips girl, really. So I, you know, I, I occasionally upgrade to a twining, but generally speaking, I'm PG tips all the way. And yeah, and a decaf drinker, I'm afraid, especially this time of the night. So um, yeah, so that's 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 it for me. But during the day, Nespresso coffee is my thing. So I, uh, yeah, it's got to be a I- Nespresso coffee. I'm an espresso girl, too, so I like that, too. Okay, time to order a few more sleeves, actually. They keep tempting me with exotic new flavors. Well, if you order 5,000 of these, we'll give you one sleeve of eight of these. It's a real deal. Only 20 minutes. Do it now. Right. Okay, good. Anyway, but it's good marketing. Lorraine, where are you today, and what are you drinking? Hello. I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, definitely uh, inland from the coast because most of her, the you know, East Coast, especially the Southern East Coast, is get, about to get pummeled with Hurricane Matthew. That's right. So um, thoughts, thoughts go out to those folks. And I am being a typical American. I'm a little embarrassed to say this in front of Sarah, but I'm drinking a fall drink. I'm drinking a skinny pumpkin latte, so with a little oh. kind of sugar-free pumpkin syrup added to my coffee with a little bit of steamed milk, and it's fabulous. Now we have to uh, we have to de- deconstruct this for listeners who don't know what is a skinny latte, Lorraine. Um, using um, low-fat milk and a sugar-free syrup to, to sweeten the drink versus a full-fat and full-sugar version. So I'm trying to lighten up my uh, my drink at the same time not lose any of the fall seasonal flavor. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And as Lorraine knows, and Andrew probably forgotten, Sarah doesn't know, they don't let me have anything with caffeine even near me when I'm hosting a CP radio. So you don't need all, it. You do I know. I know, my dear. So I have a cool, clear mug with cool, clear water and a green straw. I've had a green straw all week, and the green is for... Uh, for the fall flowers that are just now blooming in my garden, I had a late, late, late garden this year, and it's for the profitability we're looking for, which is the bottom line in business. We're talking to SMEs today. This is Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. We're talking to you about social media. You have to be in it to win it. I think I can use that very tired old phrase and give a little new energy to it. We're talking about what kind of social media policy do you need to ensure that your employees are your best brand advocates, and not only that, they're bringing the author authenticity of themselves as authentic human beings, people to that social media mix. But how do you get them into the right mindset and make sure they do right by your company? That's what we're talking about. Social media done right, super brand impact. Aha. My special panelists today are Andrew J.J.J.J. Sherman. (laughs) 
We can't do this. We can't do this, Andrew. Sarah Goodall, who doesn't doesn't have a middle initial in Lorraine Maurice. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. One D will be just enough for me. We're going to take a quick break before we launch into our roundtable led off by Andrew J. Sherman. That's it. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dot. We will be right back. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers explores the impact of changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think Big, Work Small, presented by SAP, every Thursday on the Business Channel. You're listening to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers. Absolutely. And we are tweeting at hashtag SAP Radio. I see some tweets, some tweets from Sarah Goodall, and I'm tweeting under the handle SAP Radio. You can see me with my red phone. Got to update that picture one of these days. So we're looking forward to seeing your tweets. If you have questions for my panelists or anything on your mind, tweet and talk, comments are fine. Retweets are fine. So let's open up the roundtable with Andrew 1J Sherman. That's going to be your new name, Andrew 1J Sherman. And <laughs> like Andrew it. told me the good. I do too. That's where Stay. Andrew told me the following in his notes before the show. He wants to talk about the current state of social media today and where it's going. And he said, social media is integral and important for any business and its marketing team. That's the first statement. The second is, social media has brought new levels of sophisticated communication and brand awareness. This goes back to our introduction. So, Andrew, why don't you do a deeper dive for us and let's get started. So just kind of three big points uh, within this one that I want to reinforce. Number one, everybody probably remembers when we used to call electronic commerce e-commerce, and it reached a crescendo, and now we just call it commerce. I mean, when's the last time you even heard anybody say e-commerce? Um, everyone is buying products and services on a wide variety of platforms, and those platforms have merged. I think social media is heading in that direction. You know, we now call it social media because there are specific 
branded platforms. But my sort of prediction as to where it's going, number one, is that we're going to start over the next three to five years dropping the social media uh, terminology like we did e-commerce and just call it communication because what's mm. happening today is, especially among younger people, you know, there are multiple lines of communication and platforms, and they communicate over those platforms as they see fit, not as we want to dictate. And at some point, that's just going to be how we communicate with each other. Um, the second prediction I would make about where it's going is that there will be some return to a melding. You know, the, the walls between what the physical world and the electronic world uh, are, are melding together very quickly. Uh, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal just a couple days ago called If a Store Could Be More Like a Website. And then there's been previous articles about how website uh, commerce operators are going into retail, like Warby Parker. Amazon just announced 100 stores that they're opening. And so I think that this merging between the electronic world and the physical world and the intermingling of those worlds is going to start seeping into social media. And the third big prediction I would make, uh, you know, has to do with, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, I have been getting more and more, you know, text messages from people who say, oh, please like me on Instagram or please write a positive Yelp review. Um, and when, it's, when people request it, you kind of want to do it to help them, but at the same time it feels uh, not authentic. And so I think we're still struggling to find a delicate balance between uh, you know, what you do on your own and, and, and what others encourage you to do in the social media platforms. And, you know, the more that it's, it's inspired by your own acts, the better. And at the same time, we have that rule out there that says people are 10 times more likely to write a negative review than a positive one. And so we've got to kind of, as business owners, brand owners, uh, watch all of those trends, uh, adjust our uh, social media strategies accordingly. And then one last thing uh, I'll, I'll observe about the future. It used to be that another line of demarcation was between home and the workplace. I was co-chair of a social media uh, policy uh, uh, committee at a, at a prior firm where literally we said, well, you know what? People can use their social media when they get home and, and not in the workplace. And I think we all can agree that that policy has completely melted down as businesses realize that there are business applications of social media, and it's not just people, you know, tweeting their favorite cinnamon raisin cookie recipe. Uh, mm -hmm. There are severe business applications and brand applications, and we we don't want people to wait till they get home to do their tweeting or their posting or their Instagramming because we want it to be in the moment. We want it to be real. We want it to be authentic, and of course, we want it to be reciprocal. Andrew, I think there's a very fine line there of doing all of that at work. Let me get uh, Sarah Goodall to weigh in on this. Sarah, talk about what uh, Andrew was talking about and the fact that social media is moving into the workforce, LinkedIn and Twitter and Gmail, maybe uh, business Facebook pages. It's all over the place. Should should employees wait to go home for some of this, or should they actually do it at work and, and under the guise of, hey, I'm talking about uh, my pumpkin pie, but I did it for a work <laughs> event. Sarah, talk to us. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the whole business personal divide is, a, is just blurring together in my experience, and I, I've noticed it. But generally, people of my generation and older are really struggling with that because 
there's always been a work sort of home life divide. But there's a whole generation coming into the workforce now that really don't see that divide. You know, work is life, life is work. And, you know, if I want to work in the middle of the night, I will. So it's, and that actually is our future workforce. You know, you're talking about the 2020 workforce. That's what it's going to look like. So we have, we have to get over that, um, you know, socialist for work. And I still work with some companies that say, no, we don't do social media at work. But it is crazy because we are becoming a social culture in B2B and B2C. Um, how you use social media to communicate with your own network within the company, how you communicate with customers, how you communi- communicate with partners, um, prospective customers, even the competition. I mean, it is a social world. And that's, you know, we all know that like 57% of the buying process is pretty much done without the need of a salesperson being in the room. So if you're mm-hmm. not out there connecting, networking, sourcing information, being out there in that research stage, you're never going to get invited to the table. So as a business, you cannot ignore this. I, you know, I feel quite strongly with that. But to put Andrew's point, actually, about um, social media, you know, and it's just going to be a big part of the business. I totally agree with you. I had a, meet- I had a meeting in New York, actually, a few years ago with Jeremiah Oyang who has founded Crowd Company, I don't know if any of you guys know him. Um, and he actually said to me then, you know, social media won't be a term in a couple of years' time. He said no one will use that phrase anymore. Really? You really think so? It's been more than a couple of years since we had breakfast, but, um, you know, I think he's going to be right, to your point, Andrew. I don't think people are going to talk about e-commerce anymore. They're just going to talk about commerce. Social media will just get absolutely entrenched into business. So, um, yeah, totally agree on that. And Thank can I you. jump Let's, in with one quick Yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Sure. There? So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that you lose, because I totally agree with everything you just said, plus you have the cool company name, so I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> um, one of the things that you lose when you do this only do it at home thing or do it on your own time thing, it's the spur of the moment. You know, the yeah. authenticity of social media is the spontaneity. You know, my supervisor just gave me a great compliment today. I'm so happy about it. Yeah, okay, it's 10 in the morning. I can't tweet about that till 9 o'clock at night yeah. when I get home. Ridiculous. I mean, the spontaneity of saying, I have, a, I have a, the best boss in the world. You know, he just gave me a high five. You lose it all. And I, I think yeah. so much of the beauty of social media is the instantaneous ability to communicate with hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people at the same time, you know, in yeah. one keystroke. And that's the dilemma. We want employees to react well to things, but we're also taking the risk that they could also say, I'm the worst boss in the world, and tweet it right then and there. Mm-hmm. So totally agree. Okay, well, let's get La- quiet, Lorraine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, go, ahead. go ahead, Lorraine. Yeah, no, I, so I agree with them both. And so I'll see if I can, can fill in because it's been a, just a great conversation. So first of all, social media to me is, is not about social media. It's really a new sales channel and a communication channel. So, I mean, a communications channel. So it does tie into commerce. So when a company is looking at this new channel um, and how it works, they've got to allow employees to participate in order to sell and in order to maintain customer relationships or even create customer relationships. So we've hinted at the buyer's journey, but part of this social is about, uh, I mean, part of this new commerce and this new channel is about content, and it is about the social content posted. And it's not social in this new communications channel. It's not just 
the job of a marketer or an executive. It's everybody's job within an organization. And if it's everybody's job, it means it's everybody's job to be part of the commerce, part of the selling process. And so, therefore, it is critical to make sure that everybody's on board. And to, to get everybody on board, it, you have to have very defined foundational value propositions, a very defined story, a, a very defined and articulated vision for what you want to be known for. Now, with that defined prescriptive approach, you also have to allow for the creativity, the authenticity, and the personality of the person presenting the information to come through because that's what makes it really valuable and that's what really is attention capturing by the, the customer and the person on the other side of it. So it's really not about, it's really about a new channel and, a, a ch- and not a marketing tactic. And that's why employers need to look at it differently. And part of the process that they need to put in place not only needs to be able to address negative commentary from a possible disgruntled employee, but also from a disgruntled customer. So that needs to be part of the the scope and the policy and somebody um, relegated to, to monitor and listen to that information. On the other side of the house, to add to that is that, and not calling it social, um, think about kids. I don't have any, but I have uh, three, two nieces and nephews and nine godchildren. Not one of them refer to it as social media. They said, oh, hmm. I just sent you a note. I just contacted you. They don't call it social. It's the way they ah. communicate. So whether it's a Snapchat, an Instagram note, a picture, you know, something they posted on Facebook, it's not social. It's their communication. They don't pick up the phone anymore. So interesting points on how the evolution of, of the communication tactic has changed um, in, 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 in evolved. And so I would agree social media will go away. It's yeah. really communications. It's really a sales channel. That that's so funny what you were talking about. I'm wondering if one day soon we won't say I mailed you something. It'll be I won't say I emailed you something. I get such a kick out of when an older person and I am I am a baby boomer, but an older or a person not involved in this part of our world says I sent you an email. To me, it's I emailed you. It's the verb, and they're saying I sent you an email. So I'm wondering if the e will come off and it'll just be I mailed you. Andrew Sherman with 1J. Can you wrap this topic up for us, please? I want to go to something very provocative in Sarah Goodall's notes next. So just a quick note from you. What do you want to say? I, I, I think that all of these points come back to trying to strike a balance between control and, and creativity. If you're trying to get a particular mass message out through this new channel, as, as Lorraine says, you do have to provide some guidelines, but one thing I've learned about social media, if you try and over-control uh, the message, uh, it will backfire, and it could backfire to dilute and harm the brand and defeat the purpose of the strategy in the first place. Very interesting. And now we're going to go to something, I think it's a perfect segue, Andrew J. Sherman, for, for Sarah Goodall's notes. Sarah, a couple of things here. You say in your notes, the social media policy is dead, number one. Number two, you say learn to let go. Command and control over the brand message no longer works. These are fighting words. I can't imagine a new business or let's say a uh, more of an, a mid-sized business, Sarah, looking, listening to this and saying, is she kidding me? I need a social <laughs> media policy. I have to tell them what to do. I have to tell them how many times to tweet how many times to post and when to use their personal whatever on on linkedin when they're representing my company so talk to us sarah this is very provocative 
Yeah, I think, that, I mean, say about when social media first came along um, and, you know, everybody didn't know how to handle it. So businesses, the answer was, right, we'll stick the walls in, we'll create a policy, the do's and don'ts, um, and leave everything to the public relations team. Do not get involved in business conversations. Leave it for your home life. You know, and that's, that's for many years, businesses have operated like that in regards to social media. Now, those policies pretty much still exist on the Internet. You know, they're still there. They're being, um, you know, six-page document up there. When people join a company, they, you know, have you read the policy? Tick. Yes, I have. Um, and it, it can't work like that anymore because, you know, with this business personal divide, um, what we're teaching here is, is a cultural shift. We're actually training our employees to really understand the behaviors and the risks involved in being on social media but also the opportunities. And I, I think it's less about here's a list of do's and don'ts and, you know, tick, have you done it and tick the box. It's more about can you demonstrate that you understand the risk? So scenarios that employees can actually, you know, it almost gamified, you know, that this, a journalist has just contacted you on Twitter. Which response would you give? You know, it's that kind of training. So you can really demonstrate that the employee has understood the policy rather than read it and tick the box kind of policy. And I, I think businesses need to start thinking a bit more like that, um, helping employees to understand how social media can impact them, their, the risks associated with it at work, but also at home, uh, but also the opportunities it presents. And I think, you know, I think businesses have a bit of a moral obligation, really, to help employees understand that, just as citizens as well as uh, employees of the business. So to the, to the second point, the command and control, you know, the days of controlling your PR message are well gone. Um, you know, that just doesn't work anymore. It's just transparency. You know, if, if you're a great employer, then that will be reflected on Glassdoor.com. If you own a great hotel, then, you know, TripAdvisor is going to look good for you. Um, if you're, you know, it's so transparent now that what you say as a brand needs to tie up with your employer brand and your employee brand as well as your corporate and product brands. You know, the three, the, the, the three or four brands now need to be completely synced because transparency will, it, it'll just, it, it, will, you, it will find you out if you do not have a synced brand. Um, and that's what I meant about that. You know, you can't command and control it anymore. Interesting. Very provocative. I've said that before, and I mean it. Lorraine, Maurice, join us. What do you think about what Sarah said? Um, it, it's hard to disagree with what she just said. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's especially, especially for me. I'm in the process of mentoring what I would call two millennials coming towards the end of their millennial ship. <laughs> Made up word. And <laughs> millennial ship, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> one, of, one of the biggest things that the top three things that I tell them that I will leave them with at the end of the year is the importance of understanding how social impacts their daily jobs. The, the company's per, the company's um, objectives and their personal career growth, and so there used to be a saying back in the '90s that I started saying it before that sales is everybody's job, but that's changed to social is really everybody's job, and there's literally you know very few people out there that aren't engaging in social in some form or fashion as part of the process. And so from a policy perspective, um, it's, it's more important to understand the engagement practices than it is to put restrictions uh, on, the, on, the, on the employee team. 
And if you have the right relationship, and we kind of moved away from that and strictly into social, which is what we're all about and we're all talking about, but it goes back to some of the things we, we talked about in the beginning and some of our quotes, and that's about this, you know, mutual respect for each other and, and being an advocate for your company. And if you, you encourage that along the way, it then transfers into the social output. Interesting. I have a hey. quick question for you before I get Andrew in. Just a second. Uh, my question sure. for you, Lorraine, is how, how do you how do you know that you can trust your employees? What if somebody you get a young, per, a really young person in, and they're gung ho, and they've got a style that it they weren't hired for their personal style. They were hired for their smarts and for for their brain power and for their commitment to your company, your industry. But their personal style is just completely not you. But they can separate their personal brand from your company brand. How do you trust them to do social media for you? Uh, on, at work or on behalf of your company? Just a quick answer from you, Lorraine. Well, I think trust is earned. I think hiring the right individual is key. Um, and then also I think it's listening and monitoring. I'm not saying at any point in time you should let your social go unmonitored, no matter whether it's internal or external uh, communication. You always have to be monitoring anything about your company. Thank you. Andrew J. Sherman, I know you're chomping at the bit to chime in. Go ahead, Andrew. Well, I, I, I wanted to see if Sarah agreed with the following statement, that I agree with her that the social media policy in its old form is probably either on deathbed or, or been buried. But even though it sounds like semantics, would you agree that social media policy is being replaced with social media strategy? Because yeah. that I think every company needs to have, but this, you know, strict do's and don'ts type policy, very prescriptive, uh, you know, I think has gone fallen by the wayside as companies have said, instead of thinking it like a policy, which sort of sounds like the weenie in the corner and compliance, let's think about it more proscript, you know, uh, proactively and offensively and, and, and think about it as a way to build brand and build consumers uh, loyalty. And we need to have a strategy attached to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe you're right, actually, Andrew. The next step, really, from moving away from the policy is the social media strategy um, and making it all inclusive, you know, across the business. Um, and I think, actually, almost the next step on from that is a social business um, where it's just ingrained into the way business is done, both internally with customers, with partners. You know, it becomes a part of the culture. Now, that kind of thing doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't switch in six months. You know, what we're talking about here is a cultural shift. It can take a couple of years. It can take, you know, a new generation of talent to come in and help move it forward. But, you know, essentially, that's where I think businesses are headed. Um, and the next logical step is a social media strategy, which is a bit all-inclusive, uh, more than a policy, you know, the do's and don'ts. Thank you very much, Sarah, for that uh, response to Andrew. And I was going to have you close up this part of our, our chat, and you certainly did. Lorraine, I want to pick up one thread here from your notes. That we I don't think we covered this yet. One of the reasons you want your employees to be social is you say employee referrals are a great source for hiring, and social media makes it great easier for great candidates to find out more about your company. So let's go back to do you need a social media policy, a social media strategy? Do you need to say to your employees part of why you're here, part of we why we encourage you to do social media on the job and, and from home if that's what you want to do is you need to understand our company, our mission statement, our values, our culture, and the fact that we're looking to hire great people like you. So get the word out on social media. So how does that all work, Lorraine? 
Well, it, first of all, Andrew was spot on with going back to it needs to be a strategy. But from an employee um, recruiting, prospecting, that's really where it even begins today is going out and actually doing the research the same way you would in making a sales decision. You're doing a decision to not only hire, but to look for new companies to work with on social. So the, the content, the display, the, the content that and the communications and the words that you see in here certainly help with that decision-making process. And I think that's why companies are now using um, and, and sharing with their employees, hey, we're looking for somebody, put it out on your social media site. I get at least on Facebook four to five requests, hey, my company's looking for XYZ, communicate to the, this to your network. So I'll take it a step back and say, yes, it's a social media strategy, not a policy. And then I'll take it back to finding the right employees and the right employees finding you does go back to something called relationships and networking. And that's really where this new communications channel and tactic has the most impact because it amplifies the message. And so it's, it's critically important in all aspects of the business. Thank you very much. Let's turn around the table. Uh, we're ready in two minutes to start our predictions. I think Andrew started out with predictions. But, Andrew, for right now, why don't you comment on what Lorraine said about social media for a great source of hiring good people? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think you have to take, if we all agree, and it sounds like we do, that social media policies are being replaced with social media strategies, you almost need a series of sub-strategies. One of them, uh, as Lorraine correctly points out, is that, the the people issues, the HR issues, the recruitment, the training, the culture building, the leadership, you know, the even mentoring which can take place, uh, the learning, and then you have to segregate those a little bit from your consumer facing or outward facing social media, uh, which is about, of course, getting and keeping more customers, and then there's even a third or fourth strata, you know, around distributors, franchisees, licensees, channel partners. Um, you know, what, what messaging are we using there, uh, the end customers of those channel partners? So I think the strategy really does, you know, it can't be lumped into one, you know, here's how we tweet here at XYZ Corp. I think it has to be broken out in, into its components and then a strategy around each of those components. Thank you. Sarah Goodall, why don't you wrap this one up for us, and then I'm going to go back to Andrew to start our predictions round. Go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, yeah, sure thing. There's, um, there's actually a piece of research I remember reading from Job Bites that showed that referral candidates into a company, they stay longer, they onboard quicker, uh, they're happier, they're more engaged in their role, um, and they cost less because uh, you didn't pay for a hiring fee. So, honestly, referral recruitment is a key part of a social business strategy, and I, you know, I, it's one part, like Andrew said, you know, it also impacts social marketing, social HR, social selling. Um, but, yeah, referral recruitment is a great strategy, I think. It's uh, all round, good for company culture. So, Thank you very much, Andrew J. Single J. Sherman, we are ready for your real predictions now. We're in the crystal ball predictions part of the show. Why don't you pick a time in the future, Andrew? could be next week, next year, five years out, ten years out. I'm still kind of sweet on 2020 because I can never get that earworm out of my head from Baba Wawa. 2020, you know what I'm talking about. It's still <laughs> lurking do. there in the back. Every time I do a show, I'm thinking, oh, Barbara, where are you? Okay, so I like 2020, but it's not that far off. What will change dramatically about 
this topic, Andrew, brand impact from social media. We've already said it probably won't be called social media anymore. Why don't you give us a really strong, provocative one-minute prediction on what you think will come at some point and how far in the future can you see clearly, Andrew Sherman? Okay, I'll do 2020, a couple of high-level predictions. Number one, there will be at least one social media slash communications platform that is very hot that does not exist today, does not exist at all, or none of Mm. us have heard of. Number two, very interested to see what Microsoft does with LinkedIn. Not sure why they bought it. Not sure where it's going. Hopefully LinkedIn doesn't become some, you know, commoditized electronic Rolodex and a piece of software. Number three, I think you're going to see Web 3.0, holography, uh, all kinds of interesting, making us feel like we're sitting next to each other while we're communicating with each other, graphics, working their way into Web web 3.0. So um, uh, those are the three big ones. Wow, very provocative. Like we're sitting next to, I thought we already were. Okay, (laughs) I can see clearly now I won't sing. Sarah Goodall. Talk to us. How far in the future can you see? I can give you a full 60 seconds, maybe a smidge more. <laughs> I think, um, I reckon within the next four to five years, we might see some consolidation around some of these social media channels and maybe even some of the, the apps or the tools that go around them. Certainly in the employee advocacy space, there are way too many products out there. Um, and I think we might start seeing some consolidation over the next two to three years. Uh, four or five years' time, I would hope social is embedded into the culture of a company. We won't talk about social media, but we'll talk about a social business. Um, what I'd love to see is more of a light, would love to see rather than a prediction, more employee-generated content in front of the brand. Start putting the authentic voice of the employee in front of the logo because ultimately they deliver the customer experience. So that's what I'd like to see. Thank you very much. And Lorraine, well, they were so quick, Lorraine. I can give you a minute and a half. My goodness. Go ahead, Lorraine. Go for it. I know you don't. I know you don't. They were very brief Um, and to the point. Go ahead. Excellent, excellent, excellent. I think that um, what we're going to see is very audience-based focused content. I think that it's going to be an authentic voice. It's going to be very streamlined, and it's going to be very to the point. And I think that most of the content um, that we're going to see in social is actually going to come from customers and consumers. And therefore, um, employees being part of that universe, both at the employer and also being maybe a customer of the employer, others are going to be integral as we move forward. So um, it also brings up a topic we've talked about before, which is mobile. So with everything becoming a little more condensed and a little more to the point, it's going to be critical that um, we have uh, that we're very strategic in the content that we place, the, the backup content that we use, and that we address our audiences um, with an authentic voice more and more than we do today. Thank you very much. I can't thank the three of you enough. It's been a very provocative. I just got a blurb that the 100 are dead in Haiti so far from Hurricane Matthew. So I'm going to do a shout out to everybody here in the southern United States. I have family in Jacksonville who've already evacuated and moved inland and uh, big worries about whether they're still going to have their homes by the time it hits the U.S. So just to get on a serious note, if you have a chance on social media to send good wishes and safe wishes to friends, family, and colleagues who are in the southern on the southern eastern coast. I think that would be appropriate. Andrew J. Sherman, wonderful to speak to you. All these words oh God, of it's wisdom. So good to I'm be just back and let's not I wait know. two years for my next appearance. 
I agree. Tisk tisk on me. And Sarah Goodall, it's a pleasure to get to know you. And I understand you're working with Lorraine on getting more media around these shows. She's doing a great job yeah. putting together, obviously, good panels and good topics and more coming in 2017. So pleasure to meet you. And I, I know we'll be hearing from you again. And Lorraine, what can I say? Lorraine, I think we should do two series next year. You're not working hard enough on this. I'm only joking. <laughs> I want to thank my panelists, Andrew Sherman, Sarah Goodall, Lorraine Maurice. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Everybody have a good, safe weekend especially you're in the path or near the path of the hurricane do what you can to help people be safe and survive that's going to be the word of the day for the weekend thank you to god michael bless. uh yeah god bless and be safe safe home as they say and uh thank you to michael and the business channel team at world talk radio so everybody have a good one and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. get out of the way of hurricane matthew wherever you're going go fast veet veet what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today have a great one bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.